Thank you for joining Lighthouse Christian Temple this morning. We are located at 8201 Oak Pearsall Road in San Antonio, Texas. You can find us online at lighthousechristiantemple.org. We pray that today's word is edifying and that you become encouraged to share what you have learned. God bless you and your family. Now let's get ready for the good news. What could have hit her? She was in the room by herself. And I know she was in the room by herself because the girls were downstairs already because they were ready to eat pizza. And so as soon as the pizza got there, they ran downstairs. And she was the only one upstairs by herself. Uh, and so I tried to con- console her and comfort her. And I told her, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It's good. You're fine. I looked at her face. She was fine. And she's saying, no, my nose, it hurts. And uh, I said, you're fine. You're fine. Don't, okay, now, now, even though she's my baby, now I don't want her to keep crying and crying and crying. So I'm like, you're going to be fine. You're a big girl. You're not a baby. You're not a crybaby. And then I named some kids that I know that are crybabies. I say, you're not like this kid and that kid. I'm not going to say them today because protect identity. Uh, but I told her, you're not going to be a crybaby. And she stopped crying. I said, here, eat some pizza. That always fix everything, right? Shove some pizza in your mouth and it'll be stop you from crying. So she sits there and she's eating, but she's aggravated. She's irritated. And she's, and over the time of, over the course of two slices, she kind of settled down. uh, And she went to her room and she was fine and she went to go play. And, um, and then I went upstairs because I had to get down to the bottom of what rock hit her in the face. And uh, I said, give me the rock that hits you in the face, Karini. And that way I throw it away. And she's like, looks at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, you said a rock hit you. Give me the rock, baby. I don't want it to hurt anybody else. Let me have it. And she just looks at me and says, like, she didn't say no words. She just shrugged her shoulders and said, I, I don't know. And uh, so now I'm like, well, first of all, I'm her father. You're going to tell me where this rock is at. <laughs> I need to know where this is at now. Give me this rock. I said, give it to me. Tell me what happened. Show me what happened, where it fell from. And then I, that way I can get it out of here. And she's standing by the bed, and she looks on the floor, and she's rubbing her feet like this right here. And she picks up this little bitty piece of, I don't even know what it is. It looked like paper. I just saw it, and it was like a little piece. I'm like, Karen, that's not a rock. That cannot hurt you, baby. I don't know what Charles, if y'all are thinking the same thing I was thinking at that moment, but at that moment I thought, did something hit you in your nose, or did you push something inside your nose? And she just walks around the bed and just doesn't say not a word. But she wasn't hurting anymore. And I was like, what's going on? I take her to the room. I take her out of the room. I take her to the bed. And I said, did you put something in your nose? She says, yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, well, where is it? And then so I lift her over. And inside of her nose, all I see is orange. I'm like, and now I'm starting to get worried. Because I'm not a doctor, but I am a father. And a father, at those moments, they think crazy things. I thought, it's gonna, she's going to sniff it in, and it's going to go to her brain, and it's going to rattle her brain around, and she's going to die. <laughs> she's going to have brain damage. I said, we got to take it out. Lord, we got to get it out of there. But what was weird was she wasn't crying about it anymore. She had already made peace with the fact that it was there. I was like, man, it only been a few minutes. It only been like maybe a half an hour at the most because kids inhale pizza. And, uh, and I was like, we got to get it out. 
And I said, what do we can get it out? What can we get it out with? And I was thinking, maybe my drill. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> let's see what I can get out. She's like, no, tweezers. That's probably a better, that's probably a better tool. And I was like, that might work too. Go ahead and bring that out. And if not, I'll bring something out more powerful. <laughs> so she gives me the tweezers. I lay her down. I'm trying to pull it out, but it's not easy to come out because her nose is very small. She's just a little baby, but it's, and it's very deep. And I'm like, trying not to, I'm like thinking if I push too far, I don't might hurt her. And so she, and, but at the same time as it's bothering, now it's starting to bother her because she knows she's remembering it's there and because we want to remove it. And that's the reason it's bothering her. And then she's bothering, is bothering her because we're restraining her and we're trying to help her. But even in our trying to help her, she doesn't want help. She's like, it's already fine. It doesn't hurt anymore. It's good. Just leave it there. And at some point, things will change. It'll probably fall out or something. Uh, and we can't get it out. And I'm getting more irritated. I'm saying, okay, Corinne, she's three. But I'm thinking she's 20. Because I'm trying to give her instructions that only a 20-year-old can understand, not a three-year-old. And I'm saying, blow out with your nose. And she goes, Phew. and I said, dang it. No, with your nose. And she goes, I said, no, not up, not in with your nose, out with your nose. I'm getting very irritated. I'm getting very, because it's going further and further, and she's not working what she's doing. And so uh, as more, the more she sniffs it in, the higher it goes, the more elevated my anger gets. And now I just want to just like push it out as hard as I can out of the back of her head. But I don't because I can't. And... Uh, uh, and so finally, I don't know how Laura gets her to blow her nose, and what comes out is a rock, <laughs> like a clay, like a like a like a play-doh rock, like this big, like a huge rock. I said, I don't even understand how that even how did you even push that in there? In the beginning, when you put it in, like you knew it didn't fit, but you just decided to push it in more, and when it didn't fit, even at the be like. Even after you continue to push in, you just thought to yourself, just more. And I don't, and I was very, I said, don't be putting things in your nose. Which is a, I mean, that's, you would think that's logic, right? Don't put things in your nose. Nothing belongs in your nose. And, 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 and I looked at this rock and I was like, how in the world could she just get comfortable with this pig thing in her face? This huge piece of rock. And I was relieved. But I was terrified, and I was very angry at the same time, but we got it out. But I think that goes pretty good with my sermon. <laughs> That's not just a story just to tell, because the title of the sermon is, can you put it up there? Making peace with pieces, okay? She had made peace in her own mind that this piece of rock was in a place where it didn't need to be, it did not belong. It was not going to do well there. But she just came to the point in her, in her mind, in her little mind that says, it's just what it is. We have to, we're just going to have to learn to live with this situation. And sometimes in our life, what happens is God has come, the Bible says, to give us peace, right? He's come to give us life. He's come to give us joy. He's come to give us these great things that we are not experiencing, but what happens a lot of times is we learn that peace is not easy to obtain. It's not easy to turn sorrow to joy. 
It's not easy to turn something broken into something restored. It's not easy. So what we do is we make peace with broken pieces. And we say, oh, you know, it's just what it is. I have this in my life. I don't know what to do with it. It's not going away. You know, what happened to me when I was a child or happened to me when I was with this person or with this woman or with this man or what happened to me, you know, in this church or what happened to me with this brother or with this sister. It's just there and I'm just going to have to make peace with this brokenness in my life. And I want to let you know that God does not intend for you to make peace with broken pieces. He doesn't. He doesn't. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be restored. He wants you to be filled to the brim with his joy and with actual peace. Okay? And how do we do that? We do that by following his example. And Jesus came to give us peace, but how did, he, how, did we, how did he give us peace? He didn't just come and love on us, even though he did love people. He didn't just come and heal, although he did heal a multitude of people. He didn't just come in fellowship, even though he did a lot of fellowshipping. The Bible says that what he did was he warred against the principalities of Satan, the principalities of sin, by burying his body on the cross. And we see the, if we could put the, if we could put the, 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 the video that we were showing during the Lord's Supper, sometimes we don't want to think about Jesus crucified sometimes we don't it's not it's not a it's not a pretty thing to look at Jesus and watch him being beaten and watch him being humiliated and watch him being stripped down naked walked through paraded through the streets people mocking him people laughing at him people pointing at him people just ridiculing him over and over and over all the way to the cross and you see him at the cross and he they lay him down they're making him carry this big cross he can't carry because his body is so is so beaten already that he drops it and somebody has to come and help him pick it up and walk help him walk it to the hill of calvary and you see him and they lay him down on that cross and they, they tie his hands to it and they put the nails through his hand you can hear the banging of the the banging of the nail right in your mind, you hear it, bing, bing, and they put it in, put it in his feet, and then they get him, they pick him up, and the, the, probably the, the pain that's in, that you can probably hear just screeching from his, from his body just uh, uh, because it hurts when someone's hanging you, hanging you from your, from your own body weight just on, the, on those nails and on your feet. And it was, it's an excruciating death that Jesus, that Jesus suffered, but it was his war. It was war that he did on that cross. He went to battle for you. And, and they thought that he lost, and it seemed like he was over because his body died. But his spirit was very much alive, amen? And his plan was very much in action. And you, you see that three days later, they, they, they open the tomb, and they find out what? That the tomb is empty. Why? Because Jesus is risen, right? The war that he, that he started on the cross, he finished, he finished outside the tomb, Right. And so and so we see that and you say, man, Lord, what does that mean to me? That means that that warring for peace is not going to be simple. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's it's, it's going to take work and it's going to take sacrifice. The Bible says in, in Galatians chapter two, verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And listen to this, he gave himself up for me. 
right? He went to the cross. He's remembering. He went to the cross. And all the sins that I had, all the brokenness that I had, he put it on that cross and he paid the price for it. He's coming to give me peace, but I still got a war. I still got a war. I gotta, I, I'm, I'm called to live in his, in his image. I'm called to, to allow him to live for me, live inside of me, live throughout me. And, and so, so I know that, that the thought right off the bat of Jesus getting crucified is not something to be excited about. But, 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 but what comes after that, what comes after that is exciting. And you see, like, these people are coming, to, they're, they're coming forward and they're giving their lives to Christ. And then they, they make the decision to get baptized. And what they're saying is, I'm just making this public proclamation that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I've submitted my life to him, and he is now alive in me, right? And, and, and so then you think, okay, well, what happens after that? What happens next? What happens next is a lifetime of war, right? Because how many of you want peace? Everybody, yes? Everybody wants peace? Now, if you are just a peaceful person, does that automatically mean that peace is coming your way? No. No, why? Because there's forces at work that they look at someone peaceful and they look at them as what? As weak. They look at them as easy to overcome. And so Jesus doesn't want you to be weak. He doesn't want you to be, allow people to r- run roughshod over you. No, no, no. He wants you to be strong. There is, you can have peace. The only way to obtain peace is through strength. I mean, we hear that a lot. A peace through strength. It's kind of our, our uh, uh, a message that we're trying to portray in our, in our country right now. We have to have peace through We can't be peaceful with everything. Why? Because everything is not peaceful. And inside your life, you can't make peace with broken pieces because those broken pieces are coming to steal from you, to rob from you, to not allow you to live the life that God, that God has intended for you to have. Listen, the, the life that God died for you to have. The life that he was crucified for you to have. He, he, you, you can't be okay with these broken pieces in your life. And, it's, and it takes a battle. It takes war. So you have to remember the things that, that Jesus did on that cross. And you have to say, Jesus was crucified, but actually so was I. I was crucified. I was crucified on that cross. Galatians 5.24 says, and now those who belong to Christ, to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And so how do you do that? You, every day you have to wake up and you have to decide what's natural to me is unnatural to God. It's not natural to God. And so the only thing that I can do is then turn myself over to God every morning because I want to allow myself to be run over by my flesh and my passions and my desire. But the fact is that Christ died on, so I wouldn't have to let that happen. I can't make peace with something that is not peaceful. And sin in your life is not peaceful. Sin in your life will tell you that it's better, that it's good, that it's easy. But there's always a price to pay for it. And you, then you go into a cycle of sin and you say, you say things like, I'm not feeling good today. Let me run to this and it'll make me feel better. But if you're a believer and you're a Christian, then it says, actually, it makes me feel worse, Gilbert. And then I feel worse and I feel ashamed. I feel guilty. And what do I do? I run back to that same thing again because it temporarily f- subdues the thoughts of guilt and f- shame. 
And so then I do it again, and then I feel even worse. And so what do I do? I run back to that thing to get temporary satisfaction again. And then all of a sudden, now I'm not, now I've done it so many times that now I'm just making peace that this is the kind of person that I am, that this, this is the kind of life that I, am, I have, and I'm numb. I'm numb to the things, I'm, I'm numb, to, numb to sin now in my life. And it says, you have to crucify your flesh with its passions and, and its desires. And listen, listen to what 1 Peter chapter, chapter 2, verse 24 says. It says, and he himself, speaking of Jesus, brought our sins in his body up on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we are healed. Right? So you're saying, like, this is how do I, how do I receive peace? How do I receive peace? I look to the cross. I look to what Jesus did on the cross, and I said, he, what he, the price he paid was too big and was too good and was too complete for me to, for me to deny that. I don't want to go back to my old life because of what Christ has already done. He's already purchased a new life for me to have. And if I put my faith and my trust in that, then, I, then it gives me strength and power to then say no to sin. And say, say no, I'm, not, I'm going to deny sin. And, and, and listen, sin is not just something that happens around you, Jesse. Sin is something that is going on inside of you, Right? It's your passions. It's your desire. It's your flesh. And so sometimes we can make the mistake in saying, Satan is after me. The world is all, is all around me. And he says, no, no, no. What happened is sin is inside of you. And there's a battle inside of you against the, the flesh and the spirit, and it's at war. It's at war. And so what you can do, you, you have, you have a, the only recourse is to fight against it. And so what you do, what you do is then you, you try to starve out the enemy inside of you. You say, listen, if I'm having, a, if I'm having trouble with, with whatever sin it, it is, and, and, and everybody has their own, so I don't have to put a name on it because you're already thinking it in your mind. But you say, so I'm not, I'm not going to give in to the thoughts of those sins. What I'm going to do is I'm going to fill my spirit up with the things of God so that I make my spirit strong and at the same time, keeping my weak flesh so that when temptation comes my way, my spirit is already strong enough to say, that's not good. That's not right. That's not what God wants for me. That's not what God has for me. God has something better for me. And I'm already living it day by day. I don't have to go back to something that was killing me day after day. God has came so I can have life and have it in abundance. Amen? Amen. Have it in abundance. And so I wanted to give that, those thoughts I wanted to give those thoughts because uh, um, when we look at this story in Luke chapter 15, if everybody can start to turn there, Luke chapter 15, uh, we're going to start on verse 11, and we're going to read down to 24. And it's a familiar story, uh, but I think it's an important story, and uh, we can learn some things from it, and I hope, and hope that we do today, because God does not want us to make peace with brokenness in our lives. He wants us to war against our flesh, war against the things in our lives that are, that are not uh, 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 reflecting the, 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 the goodness of God. And that goes for a lot of things. It's not just about not drinking, not smoking, not partying. Not, there's things in our lives that we need to fix. Like, listen, if, if we're waking up every day and we're, 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 we're more roommates than helpmates, that needs to be fixed. That needs to be fixed. 
Now you have to say to yourself, I don't want to be this. This is not what God wants for me. I can't grow accustomed to just living in a house with somebody who's meant to complete me. I can't. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be okay with that. And so what do I do in that case? Well, you war, right? And how do you war? You war from, by being considerate, being loving, being generous. And you, you, you do it by being uplifting, being encouraging. And I know that sounds, that sounds hard, but guys, war's hard. If it was easy, everybody do it. And if everybody, if everybody would do it, then things would be so much better, right? But, but no, it's not easy. It's, it is hard. And so you do have to war against yourself and say, I know this is very, very difficult for me to do, but it's right to do because God, has, it, the Bible says that what God has put together, let no man separate, even myself. Right. And, and sometimes when we grow, we grow accustomed and we, and, we, and we make peace with broken pieces in our lives, we say, it's just, that's just it. That's, this is, we've been like this for such a long time. You just don't understand. You don't get it. I don't get it, and I don't have to get it, but God understands, and God sees it, and the truth is that God doesn't like it, no matter how much you think that you can work it out in yourself. And that's the problem so much of times that we, we try to make things, we try to justify things to ourselves, thinking that it's a justification unto God. It's not. He, he, he does, your logic, it doesn't, it doesn't work well with his. God is, thinks different than you. He doesn't think the same. If you have, a, if you have trouble with, with, with anger, with frustration, and, and you're just like, well, you know, at times when I get angry, I go and I just say anything I want. I do anything I want. I act this way. And, you know, it's just, it's just people push me to this, to this place. No. No. Yes, the things that people do can be aggravating and frustrating, but nobody actually makes you yell. Nobody actually makes you say things that are not good. Nobody actually makes you do. You chose to do that because you give into your flesh. You give into your flesh. And then you say, well, then everybody just has to get over it. Well, I don't think that's the right thing. I don't think that's the right thing to do in the house of God. I don't think that's a Christian thing. That's not a Christian mentality to have is to say, if somebody hurts you, somebody wrongs you, somebody does something, then just sweep it under the rug and get over it because you're a Christian. Well, God doesn't do that either. God doesn't just forget things. God, God forgives those who repent. Repentance brings forgiveness. And inside the house of God, there has to be, some, there has to be a, a, a change, a, a shift of thinking, a shift in, in our heart to say, if I hurt you, I will say, I will apologize. I'll make things right. Right? Uh, and, 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 if, and if I make things right, then there could be restoration there could be forgiveness and there could be there could you could move on from that but it's it has to there has to be a there has to be that repentance and 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 in your in your lives with your children with your marriage with your uh with all every you know every relationship in your life there has to be a, if you if you want things to be mended if you want things to be fixed you have to start thinking is there is there something that i haven't asked for forgiveness yet in order so we can move past this right did I do something that's causing this rift in our relationship? And if there is, maybe let's, let's try to take a step of faith and say, I'm sorry. I don't want this in my life. I don't want to do this. I don't want to live this way. And you know what's interesting about that is that sometimes even when you apologize, even when you are, are sincerely repentant, things don't change. They, they don't change on the outside but they can change on the inside because you release peace 
God, God releases peace in your life, and you say, I release forgiveness, and that's, you know, now I have peace in my life. That I'm, tr- I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm, I'm going in the right direction. I'm not just letting things be. I'm not making peace with broken pieces. Amen? Amen. And so Luke chapter 15, we're going to go kind of quick. Uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 11, uh, it says, Jesus continued, there were two men who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of, my esta- of the estate. So uh, he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off to a distant country, and there he squandered, someone say squandered, his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. Now, this is a parable. It's not a true story. Jesus is telling a story. And so, so because it's a parable, sometimes there's, uh, there, there, there could be a, a, there's, there's a meaning to it, but there's also could be like sub-meanings and like sub-understandings of what he's saying, right? There's like treasures, Easter eggs inside the story. And so in this story, we see this man, and he has two sons. One is older, one is younger, right? They're not twins. They're, even if they're twins, they still come out to different times. So one is older, one is younger. Uh, and uh, um, the younger one comes to the father and says, listen, I, uh, I am tired of actually living in, in this house. Um, I want to do my own thing. I want to live on my own. I'm going, I, want you to, I want you to go ahead and divvy up the estate now. Give me my inheritance, and I'm going to go on my way, and I'm, I, need, I need freedom. Someone say, I need freedom. I need freedom. Freedom is not free, all right? And we're going to see that because he went off and he spent everything he had. Freedom costs. I like, to, I like to remind my children that freedom costs because my children don't like every rule I have. And I'm sure your children don't like every rule you, you had, you have. And uh, you as parents didn't like every rule your parents had. But as parents now, we moved out and we realize freedom's not free. Freedom's expensive, very expensive. And uh, we want to do things on our own. And we take, we, we, we take what, what, what we have and we go and we, we use it. And, and this man did. He, he got, he t- he's, uh, the, the father divvied up the, divvied up the estate. He gave him his portion. In, the, in this young man's mind, did he say, you know what I want to do? I want to go in and waste all my dad's money. No, because he's looking at himself now. And he's saying, this is my money. I'm not, I don't want to go and squander my money away. I don't want to go and wreck my life. I don't want to go and ruin my, ruin my prospects. I don't want to go and destroy my name. I'm not trying to go into the world and just ruin everything. No, freedom. I have freedom to make choices. And in our life, we come to Christ, and, and even before, we have something called free will. And we get to make choices on our own. And because we have that free will, God is saying, these are your choices, and with them come your consequences or your reward. What you do with it is up to you. So we take what he has, and we're not sitting around saying, you know what, today I want to do, Emery, I want to go ahead and ruin my whole marriage. I want to go ahead and get addicted. I want to go ahead and get addicted to pornography today uh, because I know that's just going to really make my wife upset and really it's going to ruin our relationship. And then it's going to destroy my children, and then they're going to go off and live lives, broken lives because that's just exactly what I was planning to do today. You know what, I'm going to, I'm going to alcohol, I think I just need to pick up an addiction today. You know, you know what, I think I want bitterness to just run, run, run through my life and just be the, be the, the driving force uh, in my life. No, we don't say these things to ourselves, but what happens is we allow things to be broken, 
and we don't mend them, we don't fix them, we don't turn them over to God, we don't submit them over to God, we don't ask God to put his hand over it and start to heal those things. Instead, what we do is we let it get more broken and then more broken. And before you know it, it's just a bunch of pieces and then you can't, you, you can't put it back together. That's what this young man did. He had no plan. He had no, he had no real thought. It just said not, after, not long after the dad divvied up his, his estate, the young man got his stuff together. He got, he got together all he had and set off for a distant country because when you're broken and when you're, when you're in sin, you know, especially as a Christian, what you don't want to do is you don't want to be around the things of God or the people of God. And so you say, you know what, I, it's, it's so much to be here. It's too, it's too aggravating to my spirit. And really what's happening is that the Holy Spirit inside of you is saying, you need to change. You need to do what's right. And it's showing you through the lives of other people and sometimes through the words of the other people. And you're saying, and so you're saying, shut your mouth, Holy Spirit. Like, be quiet because I don't want to hear that. And so maybe if I get away from the things of God, the places where God has put me, then maybe I can silence it to the point where I can't feel it anymore. But that doesn't work. That doesn't work. So if, if you're in that place today and you're having those thoughts today, if I just leave, if I just go somewhere different, if I just do something else on Sunday morning, if instead of praying, I just, I, I just don't, uh, instead of worship, I don't worship and I just sit in my feelings, if, if I just do something else, maybe I can shut the Holy Spirit up enough to where I don't feel, I don't feel him speaking to me and I don't feel him prodding me to move out of where I am to where he wants me to be. Just suppress it. That doesn't work. I want you to tell yourself right now in your mind or out loud probably say, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. God does not want that for you. What you're trying to do in that moment is you're trying to make peace with broken pieces. And God is saying, no, I I, I called you to be whole. You're never going to be, you're never going to have real peace broken. You're not. You're not going to have real peace. So what does he do? He takes his money, squanders it all, right? He said, he wastes it all. And then he began to feel something that he never felt before. He said, and he began to be in need. When he was in his daddy's house, there was no need. <laughs> he had everything he had. He had everything he, he needed. Everything is, he, everything is there, was there for him. And I want you to know that in your, da- in your daddy's house, there is no need. In, in Christ, there is no need. There is no need. You might want things. But that doesn't mean that you need them because he is everything that you need, right? He is actually a, the source of peace. He is joy. The joy of, of our salvation comes where? Through the Savior, right? It doesn't come from people because people didn't save us. Christ did. How do we feel complete? We feel complete in him because he gives us an identity. He gives us purpose. He gives, he gives us everything that we need so we don't have any. But when we leave the things of God and we, when we start to stray away and we start to become broken in, this, in, uh, in sin and in the world, what happens is you start feeling something that you didn't feel before and that's a need. You start feeling this need and you say, okay, how do I feel this? What do I do now that I'm in this place? And what did he do? Listen to what he did. He says, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. Well, you know what he did? He sold himself out. Do you feel like that sometimes? Man, I sold myself out. We might not feel it, but we actually do it a lot more times than we actually think. Because what we do is we give into things that are not for us. We give into things that are only wanting to use us and abuse us. How do you know that this person, he, he was looking for a job. 
He wanted money. He needed to take care of himself. So he went and he sold himself out to the citizen of this country. But listen what happens. This is how you know that it was, it, was, it was a one-sided deal. It was not for him. It was for them. It says this. It says, he went, himself, he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Degrading for, for, for him at that, at that time. He says, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one, no one gave him anything. So even after he got a job, even after he started to, to work, he still was left what? In need. Because the world can never actually fill you to what you need. Like, you, you'll never be filled when you live in the world. You'll always have a need. You're all, all you're doing, all he was doing was making things more broken. He sold himself out. He was not called to even have anything to do with pigs. And so in his culture, he couldn't even have anything to do with the people who were dealing with the pigs. But he said, you know what? Forget who I am. Forget my identity. Forget, what my, my, forget like, like where I come from. Uh, um, I'm, I'm willing to do anything. And sometimes we get to that point, like, I'm willing to do anything just to forget about what's happening. So I'll sell myself out. I'll drink my sorrows away. I'll send my sorrows away. I'll do all these different things so that I could just make peace with the broken pieces that I'm in right now. God does not want that for you, and God did not want that for him. And it says, so he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? He said, more than enough. My father's servants have more than enough, and I am here, and I'm starving to death? And today, I think that God wants you to come to your senses. I think that this, exact, this whole thing is a, is a setup for, for us to come to our senses and say, you know what? The way I'm living, what I've been experiencing is so much less than what God actually has for me. And I'm, maybe I'm just starting to realize it now that there is more than enough in my father. There's more than enough if I do what? If I turn away from this. And, and what is that? This is what he says. Verse 18. Ooh, we're 50 already? Okay. 18, it says, I will set out and go where? Back. I will go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Before he was able to actually repent to his father, he repented in his heart. He said, you know what? What is repentance? Repentance is turning away from the old direction and going a different one. Going a new direction. And he says, I've made a new direction for myself. It was completely wrong. I'm lost. I'm more lost than I was before. I thought I was a slave in my father's house. I actually am a slave to sin. I imprisoned myself. Let me do this. Let me turn around. Let me turn around and let me go back. And that's how easy it is. You see, we, we make it so difficult. People are not going to receive us. People are not going to accept us. People are going to think this. or People are going to say that. Or What does God say? God says, turn back. I'm here. I'm ready. I'm willing. I want you back. I want, I want you whole. I don't want you living in brokenness anymore. What does it matter? I'm the one who saved you. It's my forgiveness that you need. It's my restoration that's going to make you whole. I'm the one. It's, don't worry about whatever. What if, what if he thought, can you imagine what my brother's going to say when I come back? 
I wasted a third of our inheritance. I wasted it. Think about, my father, think about, think about what everybody's going to say. All my father's servants are going to look at me and say, you used to be a son and now you're trying to be a servant? How disgraceful is that? How despicable are you? We're going to go back. I'm, they're, they're, it seems like it's our, in, in, in our minds sometimes we do things and it feels like we, it, Satan plays this game with us. Everybody knows. Everybody. It's just going around. Everybody's talking about it. And what does that do? All it does is just put us more in shame. It's, just trying, it's that sin trying to separate us from, 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 being, from repentance. That sin trying to separate us from going back to God. And so he could have thought all those things, but he warred against his thoughts. He warred against, he warred against his flesh. He warred against, he, against everything inside of him. And he says, I'm going to go back and I'm going to ask my father, just let me be a servant. Forget about being a son. I think, I've already might have, I think I might have already ruined that. Let me just be a servant because even a servant in your house is better than, it's better than being outside of your house. Being with you in any capacity, Lord, is better than being away from you. And I think that if, if, if we're honest, every single person, including myself, can say that's so true. Because we tried. We tried. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't make us feel better. It makes us feel empty. It makes us feel broken because we are. And verse 22 says, but the father said to his, oh, I'm sorry, real quick. Um, verse 19 I think we missed verse 20. Somebody put verse 20 up there. It's just so he got up and he went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. The father ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. He said, it's, it's a long shot that my dad would even want me back. There's no chance that he would receive me as a son. There's a possibility he would, he would allow me to be his servant. And the whole time the father, the father's waiting, but he's patiently waiting. And you know what? I honestly believe that it, the Bible says that we have an advocate with the father. We have an intercessor in Jesus. And I, I actually, I, I, I think that every day that Jesus is actually praying on your behalf I mean, there's a there's a passage of scripture where jesus is praying for us the the, the people who are coming to christ in, in the future and so I, I i really believe that even though he's sitting and he's patiently waiting he's patiently warring also he's fight he's he's praying for you he's thinking about you you're literally on his mind he desperately desires to have a relationship with you and he's saying there is there there I'm here, like come back. And he's just, he, he's, the Holy Spirit inside of us is always telling us, come home. You don't want to be here. This is not for you, Mike. You don't, you don't belong out here. You don't belong in the world. Alex, why are you going that direction? You need to come back this way. Do you remember how it felt when you were far off? You're far off and now you're far off again, but I see you, I see you coming back. And even while you're a long way off, I want to let you know, I love you. And so I'm going to prove it. I'm not just going to say it and get, he, the father doesn't just say it. He doesn't just wait there. He doesn't just look at him and say, I'm going to wait the whole time until you come to me. Because I told you it was not going to be simple. Didn't I tell you it was going to be hard? No. The father just, he sees him and he literally bolts for him. Runs for him. That's so, that's, that, that should make every single one of us right now 
take a sigh of relief and say, I don't have to hold on to my sin anymore. I don't have to be okay with this brokenness because God has something better for me. God has something way better. Someone say, God has something way better for me. He has something way better for me. I got to do is start to make my way towards him. If I start to make my way towards him, he'll start to make his way towards me. Right? And when I see him, when I meet him, he's going he's gonna to meet me with an embrace. He's going to meet me with a kiss. And he's going to say, listen to what it says. It says, verse 22. It says, but the father said to the servants, quickly bring the best robe and put it on, his, put it on, his, uh, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Uh, 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 let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son, this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was, he was lost, but now he's found. So they begin to celebrate, right? They begin to then do what? Emulate the father because the father was already having a celebration. And so he said, now it's not, it's not our celebration, it's our celebration. The son of mine was lost and now he's found. And I want you to know that in, in the house of God, when we see people walk away from the things of God, walk away from their purpose, walk away from their calling, it's, it's, it, it's hurtful. It's like, man, oh man, we don't want that. Mike, that's, it's sad sometimes when we say, we, we get and we're like, no, we gotta pray for this person because this person is, he's not living up to who God has called him to be. And we need to, we need to somehow try to figure out if we can reach him to get him back, reach them to get him back, talk to him, do, do whatever we can. But ultimately we understand that it's a choice. The choice that everybody has to make on their own, but we have, we give an we give an uh, uh, um, an opportunity. That's our that's our that's our responsibility to give an opportunity to say, hey, when you're ready to come back, it's God is here. Like God, you're, you're, you whoever God has called you to be, you can you can you can uh, uh, you can be that, but you got to come back. He's not going to be okay with you doing it this way. He he only wants you to do it his way. So yes, you have to get rid of that sin, but. God has the power to, 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 to remove that and to wash you clean and, and, and to, to, to clean you, cleanse you of all your impurity and, and, and restore you back to who you were. And so you make, those, you make those gestures and you say, you know, it's open, it's hurtful. But then you see somebody say, turn up one day. You haven't seen them in a while. And you, you know, like, oh man, they're back again. That's good. But did you see that he came today? Isn't that good? That's good. She, she's not, you know, she's not, you know, she was doing whatever she was doing, but now she's back. Let's, let's pray that she stays back, right? And so you get excited, but you kind of be, keep it, you know, keep it, keep it cool. You don't want to be cool, right? You don't want to be too excited. But the father's not like that. The father says, no, man, I'm excited about you being here. You know how good it is that you're back home? Do you know how happy I am to, to be back home? And then what he says, he says, he turns around, he says, Everybody else get excited too. <laughs> kill animal, kill kill a fatted calf. We're about to party because this son of mine, this daughter of mine, who was lost, is now home. Is now home. They were dead in sin. They were killing themselves in the spirit, but now they're alive again. Right? You're, they're alive again. And so I want I want I want you to, to 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 listen to this real quick. This last scripture. Because it's so exciting that you don't have to live in brokenness. You don't have to live in brokenness. God wants you to be whole. But it takes repentance and it takes warring. It takes warring against your flesh. It takes warring against your mind. And, and this is what Romans chapter 6 verse 12 says. says, sin is no longer your master. Someone say amen. 
For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom, someone say freedom, freedom. of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Listen, of course not. Of course now we can't go on sinning. But why? Because sin is no longer your master. Your sin is no longer your master. You are free. You have God's grace now. You are free from that. You know, you have something to war against that. The Bible says when you're saved, he seals you with the Holy Spirit. And he, that Holy Spirit has power. Someone say power. 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 To do what? To war against your flesh. To give you the strength that you need to overcome. You are not meant to be conquered. You're meant to be a conqueror. Again, thank you for joining us. Our hope is that the word the Lord has given us to share with you truly creates change, not only in your heart, but to anyone you share this with. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring the good news. Have a blessed day.